Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. And we are live. Thank you, everybody, so, so much. You could be anywhere in the world. Well, you probably are anywhere in the world, but you could be on your phone watching this show right now. And we are one day out from 9-11. And I have a very, very special guest with me who's been on the show before. I really enjoyed his company last time, so I figured um, I couldn't find anybody else better in the world to uh, have with me and all of you wonderful people to uh, watch the show about, um, you know, one of the you know most interesting events over the last you know, a couple decades really. So uh, make sure you like, subscribe, share, do all that good stuff. Go to the links below to see what I got going on and see what the guest has going on. And without further ado, let's rock and roll. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty physical and mental well-being i hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests we're on all major streaming platforms so please sit back relax and enjoy man i'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13 year old son on leg day <laughs> i'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because i got to go see metallic so if that's a problem kiss my ass Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Sean, welcome back, brother. Hey, Kyle. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Yeah, of course. Well, uh, I was thinking about hitting up Adam, but I'm sure his inbox is probably blown up. So I figured um, I've been meaning to get you back on the show. So I figured, uh, you know, what better time than this? Um, so I guess real quick for everybody who didn't see the first episode I did with you and Adam, which was an absolute banger when the uh, Canistrero documents came out, um, feel free to give yourself a little introduction and let everybody know uh, who you are and what you do. Hey guys, um, if anybody saw before, thanks for watching again. And anybody new, uh, I'm Sean Russell. I'm an independent 9-11 investigator and uh, basically a conspiracy theorist. But uh, I'm a conspiracy theorist that doesn't like conspiracy theories by large. So you can find me on Twitter. You may have seen me around commenting on things that I consider to be kooky. And basically explaining to people how they have basic facts about 9/11 wrong. Um, you can see me on YouTube, Odyssey. Um, 
I'm on Facebook, VK, and uh, Instagram. Uh, I just use my real name, Sean Russell. And uh, you can find me on all these platforms. Uh, reach out if you want to chat. I love talking to people about important matters. Yeah, awesome. Hey, what is going on, uh, IP Denmark there in the chat? Um, yeah, man. Well, I really enjoyed that last show that we did. And like I said, I just figured we would talk about 9-11 today, being that it's the day after. So 22 years later, I was seven years old at the time. Um, I'm, I'm going to assume that you were probably a couple years older than me. And uh, it still seems like there's a lot of you know just misinformation out there. And that term, and same with conspiracy theorists, um, both the term misinformation and conspiracy theorists have really, like those walls have been completely poisoned. And now anybody like us who's skeptical of government narratives, rightfully so, um, we get thrown in there with a lot of idiots, let's be honest, just complete total retards that really poison the well for us who want to bring, you know, actionable and real information to people so that way they can kind of, you know, decide how they want to live their lives or, you know, kind of what political route they may want to go or whatever, you know, people like us we try to, you know, separate fact from fiction and give people once again, the, the real information, not misinformation. Like we see with a lot of people who call themselves conspiracy theorists or, um, you know, who peddle misinformation. A lot of people don't even realize that they're pushing something that you might call like misinformation or you know, mm -hmm. disinformation or it's just wrong. It's just, you know, factually flimsy. I think a lot of folks don't even realize it. Um, conspiracy theory is it's, it's like world religion. There's, there's like this huge spectrum where any number of different beliefs and uh, ideologies and, and concepts appear on this ginormous spectrum, like world religion. And people pick and choose what church they go to or, you know, what book they pray to. They, they got the, all these different ideas about how they interpret things. And a lot of them are nutty. I feel that way about religion. Sorry, guys, I'm an atheist. Uh there's any number of things that people can be subscribing to and then they might be called a conspiracy theorist because they have like some kind of uh uh a grand um uh picture you know it's downright biblical their notions about how things in the world might operate and the explanations for things in daily life and i typically subscribe or at least i will endorse i mean there's a difference between like things that i'll look at and the things that i'll sign off on I typically endorse the stuff that's really down to earth. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't like the um, the really uh, f fictional feeling, like stuff that just feels like it's something out of a movie. I don't really okay. jive with that stuff. I'm I'm interested in what we could settle on by like all parties, including witnesses, including yeah. reports. You know, what is the simple explanation? I really like to get down to what what we could really know about yes. anything. Mm -hmm. Because if you if if you really know what you're handling, then you could you might be able to do something with it. I think that's why it's exactly. important to be able to like come. To, you're going to bring it to a court, or you're going to like try to force some kind of political change in the world. Like you really want mm -hmm. things to be different. You're upset about things. Don't get me wrong, guys. I'm upset about a lot of things in the world today. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to change some of those things for real, and not just uh, shout at a wall about something that's probably not real. Something that's probably just a, a boogeyman. Um, you know, I'm not into space beams. I'm not. I'm not into shapeshifters or you know, pick your pick your thing from the conspiracy theory spectrum. Yeah, I don't think any of that stuff uh, helps. I, in fact, I think it gets in the way. You know, it's like that uh, poisoning of the well or the muddying of the waters.
Exactly. And you know, you you said poison the well. Well, I I worry. I, I can't prove it, but I worry that some of that was intentional. And uh, and getting past that might be some of the most important work that we do if we're looking into investigating 9-11 and maybe working with it in some kind of real tangible way. Yeah. And this is kind of why I like guys like you and Adam and DJ Thermal Detonator is that you guys are like, I don't want to put up with this bullshit. And even Ryan Dawson, too. Um, you guys are like, no, I'm separate from these kooks. And you had a tweet in particular that I just found absolutely genius. And it was uh, kooks hide spooks. And that's absolutely the way it is. Um, when you have somebody like Alex Jones or, you know, Loose Change, which I just listened to for the first time today, and they say, oh, you know, there were no planes, there were no hijackers, then now basically you've just poisoned the well because now people like, once again, you and I have to now you know we're already starting from a way huge disadvantage because we already look like idiots because we're kind of in this conspiracy realm with them but we're not like them like they're they're like you said there's different there's like a spectrum here of people who kind of don't believe the official narrative and just that poisoning of the well makes it that much harder for us to kind of get the truth out there to people because we get lumped in with them i've lived it over and over and over again um in live conversations uh, in, in real life dealings, um, in like comment threads, uh, there are all sorts of different notions and opinions. And if I'm just trying to say something really, really basic about nine 11, cause I think it's kind of important that we like establish yeah. some basic things about something I considered important about nine yeah. 11, you, you got to start with some basic foundational concepts and then start stacking your case on these things otherwise you're building on like a non-foundation like like a, a flawed foundation if you're trying to build off of what are like basically false premises you're never going to win an argument exactly. with a good lawyer we have to assume that your opposition is going to have the best lawyers and who are you going to try right. to convince like a judge or a jury or like these people maybe they don't like conspiracy theories because they've mm -hmm. seen what you know horrible effects conspiracy theories have had in the world like you know you mentioned alex jones maybe they're going to be really turned off by that or maybe you're going to be trying to convince a panel of christian evangelicals who are not going to be swayed in certain directions regarding foreign policy you've got to have some 9-11 basics down and a lot of the people that i exchange discourse with uh they don't know the basics and they think they're experts and that's a really disturbing thing to encounter is when you're talking to somebody that they think that they're like a prominent figure. They might even be a prominent figure because I have had exchanges with some of them yeah. and they've got a bunch of stuff wrong, right. demonstrably wrong. The biggest exactly. thing. Yeah. And like, you know, me, others, uh, Thermal, um, Adam Fitzgerald, Ryan Dawson. I'm not the only one that says this. A lot of people say this. Hey, look, you're like big obstacle is that Pentagon attack on 9-11. Mm -hmm. That's that's the big hurdle that for decades now people get stumbled on. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to come up with every explanation imaginable. It's, it's like literally the sky is the limit for the different possible explanations. They're very imaginative, some of them. Yeah. To what is like really it's just okay a, a plane crashed at the Pentagon. And I'm a heretic because I'll say that and I'll get called <laughs> I'll get called <laughs> things 
like an infiltrator and a spook and all kinds Zionist of Zionist too, probably. I've been everything. And that's what doesn't even make <laughs> sense because it's yeah. like I'm somehow the, you, this guy calls me a Nazi. This guy calls me a Jew. I'm like everything all at once. <laughs> I'm just a guy trying to seal cracks in my basement floor today. And I'm taking time away to talk about yeah. 9-11 this year. Oh, that's man. it. Yeah, you know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that because I remember last time you were having issues with the uh, the basement as well. Uh, huge respect to people to find the truth about 9/11. Thank you very much. Yes, absolutely, Ivy. If you are not keeping up with Sean, then um, I would definitely recommend you check him out. Um, so you know what you mentioned the basics there. Hello, Alice. Thank you so much for dropping in the chat as well, and also Kevin bringing his uh, Q stuff here because we were talking about Q and on a little bit earlier. It's a uh, it's a joke. But um, what are some of like the basics for 9/11? Like um. Maybe we could start with like, okay, well, where were you on 9-11 personally? And then like, what are some of the basics that you think that people should know before they start learning a little bit more? Oh, man. All right. Going to be heretical again. <laughs> Look, Great. I love it. Because I, I am all the time. I'm a little bit older. I was 19 on 9-11. I was a young adult and I was like basically completely ignorant and oblivious. 9-11 didn't mean anything to me, and I didn't give a shit for a couple of years. Eventually, the you know 9-11 conspiracy movement like became a thing in American culture, and of course, I caught wind of it. Um, you know, being someone in like my mid twenties, when conspiracy theory regarding 9-11 is sort of like it's like approaching you, and you almost can't avoid it. Like it, it became a really popular thing. It's all over uh, the early days of YouTube. And it, and it even turned into things that was like mainstream even, you know, because for me, what like made me started thinking about it was Michael Moore's Fahrenheit 9-11 about, hey, there's suspicious things about 9-11. And, you know, from there, all kinds of other stuff happens. Like, I guess you just witnessed loose change. And I, I'm glad that you, uh, that you missed that one. I'm glad that I missed loose change too, because by some stroke of luck, loose change didn't infect me early on. I got to take a pass on that. Mm -hmm. um, and so people, I think, want to jump to conclusions. I've said this before, and I think I think the conspiracy minded people are rightfully skeptical. They're rightfully suspicious exactly. because yes. there's so many things that we, we know have happened before 9-11 have happened since. There's a lot of reason to be very skeptical and to basically be distrusting of like officials and, um, you know, federal government. There's there's like a lot of reasons. Don't get me wrong, guys. I don't trust them either. However, I don't think you should just automatically do the opposite or, exactly. or assume right. the opposite of every single thing they say, mm -hmm. because I don't think that they lie about 100% everything. I think they lie often. I think there's a lot of things that they twist, they misrepresent, they spin stuff. The way that propaganda is going to be effective, though, is not by making things up from scratch. You, you, that's not effective propaganda. Historically exactly. speaking, you have to sort of have an element of truth to it. Your mm -hmm. propaganda has to be something that's sort of believable. Maybe it's a little bit true. And then you've manipulated it. You put your little twist on it. That's yeah. how you get your propaganda yeah. to really work. So I think you, you get it wrong accidentally just because you're outright rejecting what the government told you about something. Exactly. So I don't I don't agree with 9-11 conspiracy theorists who they can only say blanket statements like, oh, the official narrative is wrong. And I'm like, well, okay, yes, it, there is problems with the official narrative, but there's also the problem of what is the official narrative? Because different people interpret it in different mm -hmm. ways. 
Real and quick, it's such a... uh, Kevin, Kyle and I talked about this on Saturday. Believe in the opposite immediately just because they've been so bad is also mouth breather energy. I'm sorry to interrupt, but that that is spot on. I had to highlight well, Yeah, that. it's too simplistic. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, the official narrative is flawed, but you're going to need to be able to explain what's wrong with it. It's yeah. not good enough to just be cheerleading and spewing bumper sticker slogans and stuff. Because, again, are you going to convince some kind of uh, panel with that? Are you, are you really going to win something against the most powerful entity, especially if they've got some really, really devious lawyers on their side? Yeah. It doesn't hold water. It's not going to convince people. And so you need to have like things which are, I consider 9-11 basics, which are the undefended positions of the official story, the stuff that like they'll admit to. And it's the things that they'll admit to that they try to be quiet about. They try mm -hmm. to be like, oh, yeah, we we knew about Khalid Amadar and Nawaf al-Hazmi. And yeah, we knew that they were bad. Okay, we goofed. We goofed. We didn't stop them. Okay, we so had a, we had a thing. Who are, who are those names? Just so people know. Right. So Midar and Hazmi are two of the official 19 hijackers for 9-11. And they're what are uh, a really important component of the official story right. because according to the official story they're intelligence assets they're being handled by cia and saudi general intelligence directorate and they didn't get stopped and this came out or did this come out in the canistrero documents that they were officially cia assets it well it goes back to the 28 pages that was withheld okay. from the joint inquiry back in the early days of the investigations. Okay. And it's stuff that was basically covered in the follow-up FBI investigation after the mm -hmm. initial pen bomb investigation, the Encore investigation. And yes, this year, like we spoke about last time, was the Canistrero mm -hmm. document. And that basically proved that, yes, you've got intelligence assets in Midar and mm -hmm. And they yes. weren't stopped. The spooks knew about these guys, and it's yeah. almost like they let them get away with it. So there's like some 9-11 basics, some hijackers. They happen to be Saudis, and they happen to have been handled assets, directly handled assets. Known terrorists, they were they have associations with the uh, USS coal bombing in Yemen previously. And FBI probably could have prevented this. If right. the, the greater intelligence services, the real creepy spooks, had told FBI that, but they didn't. NSA right. didn't, CIA didn't, and the Saudis didn't. Well, yeah. And, and that's like one little that, component yeah. where if, if, you, if you're going off the official narrative, well, that's official, right? Boom. Right. And didn't they say, one of the judges, and you, and you, Adam, and I covered this last time, that the NSA admitted that they had enough metadata to stop 9-11. But once again, now this is a fact that a lot of people will run with and say, oh, well, then why didn't they stop it? They had to have let this happen. Um, their plausible deniability is that, OK, well, we didn't have enough time. We didn't have the manpower to go through and comb through all the metadata to stop this attack. Um, now, once again, my speculation, because I'm a skeptical person overall, is that the government probably knew it was ha was going to happen and they wanted this to happen so that way they go over in the middle east this once again this is speculation i don't know this i can't prove this but i mean you know i think that there's a lot of stuff kind of in lines here that can suggest that but once again you, neither one of us could prove it this is just pure speculation but once again they admitted that they had the metadata to stop it but once again, they still have plausible deniability in the fact that once again they can't say for sure or you know we can't say that they knew or didn't know yeah, apparently they had all 19 names. Uh, they could have stopped 9-11 altogether. And I believe that goes back to a reporting from Thomas Drake. Yes, NSA could have stopped it. 
NSA wasn't cooperating with CIA. But CIA wasn't cooperating with FBI. It's like none of these organizations were working congruently, except for CIA and the Saudi intelligence arm. They were working congruently. And that's the big to do about this year's confirmation that, yes, there was an illegal joint intelligence operation in the United States regarding the Americans and the Saudis in handling and CIA taken with a grain of salt. They said that they were trying to flip these two guys, Midar and Hosmi, mm -hmm. that they wanted them to like come over to the American side and work for them. But here's where you can start to like poke holes in the official story instead of just throwing it out because you throw the baby out with the bathwater with exactly. all this stuff. Well, you can actually work with that and you can say, well, why did they pick Midar and Hosmi? Those guys are goons and they don't speak good English. CIA doesn't speak good Arabic. There's like a problem here. That's not a very good choice if you're going to try to get somebody on the inside in Al-Qaeda. Hey, I, I think you should have gone with Muhammad Atta or Ziad Jar because they spoke perfect English and they probably would have been much better, especially because they're at a higher point in the operation. Mm -hmm. Just saying. But that's where you can sort of work with the undefended position. And you can say, oh, this is, guess what? They gave me this. I can work with that. Okay, cool. Yeah. So do you think that kind of covers all the 9-11 basics? And one thing that I also wanted to kind of touch on before I uh, give it back to you is that, um, once again, if there are no planes, if there wasn't a plane that hit the Pentagon or either the Twin Towers, then none of this stuff matters, right? Now, all the official conspiracy is gone, which is a point that Adam always makes, which I really, really like because it's the truth. What's the conspiracy then that they paid a bunch of people to lie about like a controlled demolition like okay well now your israel link your saudi link are now gone because what interest would they have in doing this stuff and to another point that you also made earlier is that they have to tell the truth a little bit because basically it's i think of it almost like a container words where like they're going to give you enough truth that you can speculate on what the outcome is, which is essentially what I did earlier, but that's exactly what, you know, kind of like government narratives are supposed to do. They give you a little bit of the truth so that way you can speculate or they can tell you what the truth is, right? The truth. Well, you know, the basics is, hey, look, terrorists exist. Terrorism is real. Like this is basics. A lot of the conspiracy theorists that I've encountered and I've even like tried to have discourse with they come off like they don't have an appreciation for the fact that terrorism existed before 9-11. Right. They don't have any sort of point of reference mm -hmm. to compare something like an Al-Qaeda, which admittedly is a little bit spooky. But if you're going to compare it, you need to have some knowledge about what is terrorism. How does terrorism work in pretext terrorism? Is, how does state-sponsored terrorism function? You need to be able to compare it. I haven't met too many truthers that could talk to me at any length about like Hamas or Hezbollah or uh, the various Palestinian splinter groups. Mm -hmm. They maybe know the word Taliban, but they don't have any knowledge about how uh, the Salafist movement in the Middle East got started. So like the basics is, look, you've got real people. And they have real motivations and they do real things. Mm -hmm. If you're going to like start to slice it down, that's where you get into, okay, how are the Americans involved with something like um, Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood, Syrian Muslim Brotherhood? Mm -hmm. uh, how, are, how are these intelligence services connected with these terror groups? 
because it's just like you have historical incidences of um, the Nicaraguan Contras that uh, the CIA directly funded, trained, basically like implemented as a proxy with Tucker against Carlson, the Sandinista right? regime. Tucker was a big fan. A lot mm. of these guys in the alternative media, it's pretty funny when you look at what kind of person they were back during Reagan. Mm. Uh, they're basically a terrorist in Central America because they did terrorism. And the CIA, to a degree, taught them how to do it, too. They, mm. There's a document that you can read from CIA's own website about uh, psychological operations and basically training a terrorist, as the Contras, how to be an effective terrorist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they wrote the CIA wrote a book for these guys so that they could be effective in basically overthrowing a leftist, you know, communist regime that we didn't like in Central America. Oh, well, the, the American government never does that. <laughs> they well, they would never meddle in anyone else's affairs, right? And no, that's why it's God, just no. it's just absurd that you think that there isn't a problem with our policy, especially our foreign policy. So many people think that everything is hunky dory. Well, that's why I think something like understanding the basics of 9-11 is recent. It's vital. It sets the stage for the world we live in today. There's a yes, lot of things that have happened exactly. since. But I'm not 100% sure that these certain things would have played out quite the way they did if we hadn't already established the predetermined fact of 9-11. And so regarding 9-11 basics, Al-Qaeda is a real thing. And this is another problem with the conspiracy theorists is they think that Al-Qaeda for sure is cia we can't prove that right now you can probably wonder about that and you could maybe look for something that's really uh solid on that i've been looking i haven't found it there isn't proof that it exists mm -hmm. as solely as an as a cia appendage it has its own origins in the middle eastern culture and the middle eastern ideals and people in the truth movement don't seem to know anything about that they don't know who inspired an Osama bin Laden or other terrorists who would do things. And therefore, they assume that it has to be mighty whitey. Only the Americans could have done this stuff. But they don't realize that, no, actually, unless you're going to trace back through history, and I would love them to attempt it, talk to me about, okay, well, how did mighty whitey do Pan Am 103? How did mighty whitey do the bombings in Lebanon back in the early like talk me through it conspiracy theorist show me how it works they probably can't they have a point of reference so the basics is also hey look air terrorism also existed and and basically middle easterners had been doing air terrorism for decades before 9-11 the most direct link is the bojinka plot which conspiracy theorists never bring up they bring up Northwoods instead. Could you elaborate a little bit on the Bojinka plot whenever you're uh, kind of on the tail? Oh, sure. Yeah, I'll do a quick tangent. Okay, Bojinka is uh, proto 9-11. And there's a couple instances that led up to 9-11 that were like almost a 9-11. They didn't quite happen. Mm -hmm. And Bojinka would have been in between the first big arrival of terrorism in the United States in 1993 when Ramzi Yosef and accomplices uh, bombed the World Trade Center in 1993. Um, and in between that and 9-11 was another Yosef plot because uh, Yosef bombed World Trade Center. It didn't work. He tried to destroy the complex. It didn't work the way he thought it would. 
not a problem because all of his uh, goons get picked up because they're not smart. They go back to their truck rental agency trying to get deposits back, claiming that the vehicle they'd used to transport their little homemade C4 device was you know, stolen and they get busted by feds. Well, Yosef actually flees the country and he goes off to do other terrorist plots. And one of them is this thing that he was working on in the Philippines in 1995 that would have been a lot like a 9-11 in that they were going to bomb airliners. They were even going to do martyrdom hijackings on a handful of planes and crash them into high profile targets like World Trade Center, like Pentagon, like the White House. Basically, everything that would eventually happen with 9-11 was going to be all that and more, including like high profile assassinations. And it was a pretty grandiose thing. Yosef, fuck up that he is, or it could have been his, his goon, his first goon, Abdul Hakim Murad. They make, a, they make a mistake mixing chemicals in their apartment in the Philippines. Uh, one of the stories is that Murad is washing his hands in the sink. Oops. And it basically creates a fire chemical fire mm -hmm. and it, it attracts the authorities and they get busted but the uh, authorities recover all the information about what they were trying to do mm -hmm. yosef had escaped again he's eventually apprehended in pakistan but yosef had escaped again and murad gets apprehended tortured and spills the beans about the whole thing that's bojinka it's basically a khalid sheikh muhammad uh machination who would be the guy that is the uh, mastermind or alleged the alleged mastermind of 9 11. Mm -hmm. so all of this stuff is existing with just they're they're Arab terrorists, they're Middle Eastern men, and they have their reasons for doing things, and they do terrorism. CIA isn't really a part of it. Um, so if we're, if we're trying to make everything mighty whitey, well, you have to have some historical precedent, and right. I don't think the conspiracy okay. theorists have that. And then the other thing, the big thing is, look, there were planes. Uh, the 9-11 conspiracy world is full of ideas about how the airplanes were suspicious and therefore there needs to be a placeholder conspiracy about what that plane is because it's not a plane. And there's a, there's a, a bunch of these ideas. None of them are really like good ideas. They don't make any kind of real world sense. They're not provable. They're all based on like really, really bad, flawed arguments and misrepresentation yeah. of details and sometimes outright fibs about how the planes weren't planes and it was something else. That's where like space beams comes in, mini nukes, you pick yeah. them, whatever. There's a bunch of them. Uh, Martians or it could have been a it could have been a genie to these people. It could have been literally. There's no a hologram. Oh, hologram! Gotta love the hologrammers, right? <laughs> And, and that, this is basic stuff. Okay, they were hijacked airplanes. They, they crashed. The CIA apparently let them do it. Like, this is basic 9-11 stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's from there that you get into the greater discussions about how foreign policy is like a umbrella that sits over top of this whole thing. How the relationships between who apparently are the key nefarious players in a 9-11. The Americans don't get away on this one. So, okay, conspiracy theorists, we can agree on one thing, yeah. but what you got to do is you also got to account for what are the Saudis doing and you also got to account for the Israelis and you got to go for the whole thing. Otherwise, yeah. you're missing whatever it is. You're not accurate if you're not accounting yeah. for all that stuff. And that's what basic 9-11 discussion has to start. You got to start there. A plane hit the Pentagon, guys. And I'm a heretic <laughs> for saying it. And people yeah. in the comments are going to call me a spook. 
They're going to say I'm a, a disinformation king was one of the nice ones that somebody called me. A Zionist that's Jew where probably, you start. yeah. That's where you start. Hey, I've been called everything, man. But that's yeah. where you start. Okay, so I, listening to Loose Change, I, I think they kind of described the path of the plane. And I, I think their summation was that, like, there was no plane in Shanksville, which I actually would love to go up there. That's literally, like, an hour away from me. I want to say an hour, maybe hour and a half. And then, like, the path of the plane that hit the Pentagon was, like, too messed up that it didn't make sense like i think they said it went in a couple circles and then it hit the pentagon and i think we talked about this a little bit the last time you and adam were on is that um the wing that they hit was mostly empty because of a drill going on that day do i got any of that wrong and if i got anything wrong please correct me and also explain you know how we know that a plane hit the Pentagon and, you know, let's say a plane landed in Shanksville as well. Yeah, th that's very loose change. Um, mm -hmm. Loose change is one of the early conspiracy documentaries. Yeah. And in the early days, there was a lot less confirmed information that people were working with. Mm -hmm. I think that there's some speculation that goes awry in the early days because they didn't have as much to really build their theories off of. And so sort of what you have is like a absence of evidence and, and they're going to try to fill in the gaps with something right. a, little bit of mag a little bit of magical thinking takes over and they fill in the gaps with their religious explanations. So those early talking points are about how the airplanes are suspicious. Okay. They have to choose that it's the Pentagon plane and the Shanksville plane. Because uh, apparently not everybody thought that the World Trade Center planes were suspicious. Plenty of people were, were okay with it. Oh, yeah, yeah uh, Flight 11, Flight 175, those hit World Trade Center. And they don't have a conspiracy theory about them in the early days. But what they are worried about is how the airplane at the Pentagon and the plane at Shanksville are somehow suspicious. And that's where the theories about how to replace that plane with something, like a, an event other than a high-speed intentional plane crash. Um, loose change does talk about how it's suspicious that, uh, the plane does a, uh, arrow, uh, it, they, they call it the top gun maneuver. I think they might've even coined that phrase. It became a meme, the top gun maneuver that <laughs> pilots for nine 11 truth by large think is impossible to do. Um, that the, that the hijacker pilot couldn't <laughs> accomplish this, this dynamic, Loose brain, yeah. <laughs> uh, they couldn't accomplish this uh, maneuver. That's one of the things. And then the other thing is about the Shanksville plane. And this shares some of the similarities with the way that the conspiracy theory is built with the Pentagon conspiracy mm -hmm. theories. It has to do with how, look, I don't see a plane. So one of the big things about the Pentagon is, like Jamie McIntyre said, I don't see evidence of a plane crash. And a lot of uh, the early reporting, especially from like the loose crane, uh, the loose brain crowd and its iterations, <laughs> which followed, it turns into Jonestown real quick. Mm. It is about how, look, there's no debris. There's no sign of a plane. Yeah. And it must have been something other than a plane. Well, it's the same with Shanksville in that what you got is a big scorched hole in the ground and no plane. Shocking. Yeah. It's, it's just a big scorched hole. It's shaped like a plane, though. <laughs> It's actually shaped just like an inverted plane that slammed into the ground right there. So this is 9-11 basics as well. 
there was an abundance of debris at the Pentagon. Some of it looks like really obvious to the eye that it's definitely wreckage from Flight 77. Even some people want to tippy-toe with it and think, well, maybe it wasn't Flight 77, but it must have been something that crashed into it. And it wasn't a missile because some people think it's a missile and some people think it's a drone disguised as an aircraft. Even the people that are like, you know, I'm not sure if the hijacker could have done it or, uh, you know, maybe it was remote guided or something like that. Even a bunch of them are going to say, yeah, it's okay. A big, a big thing crashed into the building here that wasn't a missile or, or it wasn't just a bomb in the building or, you know, something like that. The basics of it is that we've established it's a plane and, it, you know, it, it hurts to hear it because people react so negatively when you try to just be upfront with them to avoid a big waste of time, which is having a back and forth about how we think, well, maybe somebody thought that they saw something different or, you know, they didn't see a plane. I saw a these, missile. <laughs> these people didn't see a plane. And meanwhile, over 100 people saw the plane and most of them saw it crash. Well, there was plenty of wreckage recovered. The flight data recorder was recovered. Like, look, the black boxes are recovered from these from these flights. There's another big myth in the truth movement about how, oh, we never found any black boxes. Yeah, they did. World Trade Center is another discussion because there is some dispute about, hey, did they really recover black boxes at World Trade Center? We actually don't know. But Pentagon and Shanksville, they were. And, uh, so, and some of these devices actually still worked after the fact. So they were able to compare things like the flight data recorder. They were able to compare things like the cockpit voice recorder and match things up with the uh, radar data. And, and so all of it's congruent. The, the radar matches with the flight data, matches with the eyewitnesses, matches with the physical evidence. So if, like forensically, it checks out. And like it's just eyewitnesses, it checks out. It's a done deal. Plane hit the Pentagon. They even got a lot of the DNA evidence from the passengers and crew that were on the flight. And it's real similar with the Shanksville plane. Because the Shanksville plane gets like wrecked harder. It's uh, it doesn't have as much debris. It also crashes faster and and it, it plows straight into the ground. And there is wreckage that's recovered. It's like it's like buried 50 feet in this in this smoldering uh, scorched mark on, on the soft earth there. It's it's decimated. You know, it's 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 practically gone. But the wreckage is there. It's just in tiny, tiny bits. And so they collected all the tiny, tiny bits out of this hole and it filled multiple storage containers. Like 90% of the plane was there. It was just ripped to tiny shreds. More plane was recovered from the Shanksville crash site than any of the other three official planes. Which so the one on loose change, they did say that there was no plane in Shanksville. That was That's their what plan. the whole thing is. They say, oh, it couldn't have been a plane. Just like it couldn't have been a plane at yes. the Pentagon. They're mm -hmm. trying to make something more than what it really ought to be. And there's a couple of different directions that will slice this, but this is where you can arrive at some basic 9-11 understanding is by getting rid of crap information. Well, mm -hmm. the Shanksville crash site, most of the plane is recovered. It's just in tiny shreds. That's better than the other crash sites. So this meme about how there was no plane and it was the most absent plane because... <laughs> It's the most absent plane. I uh, show me. There's no plane in Shanksville. 
Well, it's like they have it backwards. And it's like Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. A lot of stuff backwards in the conspiracy yeah. world. There's, there's every reason to be suspicious about 9-11, but they're rejecting the basic evidences. Mm-hmm. And it's very strange that even to this day, you'll talk to people that say, I don't see any plane debris. I didn't see any debris. How did they miss it? Who are they talking to? And these are people that are like producing films, they're writing books, they're running shows. These people are like continuing the old, the old guard mm-hmm. of the truth movement that I think they were off on the wrong foot for whatever reason. They're still continuing this to this day. And they're going to be entertained with every possible rabbit hole that they come across. And they're just going to be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And, and they can't decide on anything. Apparently anything and everything is possible simultaneously. It doesn't make any logical sense. So the, the Shanksville plane and the Pentagon plane, there's a whole topic of discussion about, well, you know, was the plane shot down or was it armed with a bomb or what, you know, did it, did it have the bunker buster attached to it? Uh, any any type of augmentation to the plane to try to explain the situation, mm-hmm. whereas you don't actually need to augment these planes, even like with a remote control. You don't need any of that. There's reason to assume that it actually is just basically the official story. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I think that this matters is like what you've already pointed to and what Adam Fitzgerald talks about all the time. Uh, Dawson, you know, all the the people that I think take this thing seriously, they will say, yeah, look, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater because now you're not talking about those hijackers. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole thing. You have to get to that next level, which is start to talk about the hijackers, guys, because Jesus Christ, they're spooky as all fuck. <laughs> you, you're never going to get to talking about Ziad Jara if you can't get over the fact that, yeah, there were airplanes. You're going to be talking about how there's a shoot down or there's no plane or the debris was planted or they, they planted light poles. There's all this weird stuff that's just yeah. historically not how they do things. Sorry, guys. Hey, look, I think there's a spooky connection with all of this, too. But I actually looked at how they do it. And it's pretty yeah. fucking dumb that you're just going to keep resting on Operation Northwoods, which is the mm-hmm. most basic bitch talking point that these conspiracy theorists have. They always go back to Northwoods like it's something special and hidden. It's not. Yeah. It's not. You can literally turn on Joe Rogan right now. I'll bet he's telling you about Northwoods. It's not <laughs> hidden. And and they don't look at, well, you know, how um, how do the intelligence services manipulate a terror group to mm-hmm. do something that they might want them to do, to blame on someone that didn't actually do it. Mm-hmm. They didn't do it by faking airplanes in the case of 9-11. Right. Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying that they don't have the capability to do this kind of thing, but it's not a clean operation. You have to deal with all the witnesses. You have to deal with all the evidences. And how are you going to fake all this stuff after the fact? That's way more difficult than just, yeah, don't tell FBI about Mudar and Hazmi. And they're just going to probably do their thing and they get away with it. That's the clean operation right there. 
and they have the plausible deniability, as you brought up already about how yeah, well, everybody says that we didn't know, they didn't know, ah, oh, shit, we miscommunicated, yeah. uh, whoops, done, done deal. And I mean, and that's, have that's to deal huge. With all that yeah. That is a conspiracy in of itself, too, that the that our own government refused to work with the other branches to make sure that its citizens were safe. If anything, the basic function of our government is supposed to be to keep our liberties, our freedoms and our populace safe. Right. That's their main goal. And if they're not communicating willfully, which they've admitted they did not do, then they failed at that job. And that resulted in the death of almost 3,000 people. Um, Conrail here. What a better way to ensure the truth never comes out by creating nonsense that makes no sense. That is the entire message <laughs> that we're putting out here. Uh, maybe we're the 19 terrorists were ghosts. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's just messing around. But, um, okay, so the one other thing, unless you had anything else kind of you wanted to add on. No, go there. ahead. What, what else you got? We, I'll bring cool. it back to the same thing. No, 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 you're good, you're good. Um, Building 7, because this is the one that people get really messed up on. Um, I have not looked a lot into this, but it seems like there have been like a lot of archaeologists and people who kind of would like know about this, engineers, that seem to agree with the uh, story. And once again, you can kind of piece this together much better than I can. But from what I understand, you know, the conspiracy theory is that, okay, well, this is controlled demolition. There were bombs inside the building that caused the building to collapse in on itself. Um, I think even loose change had said that a building seven collapsed before the twin towers. I may have that wrong though. Um, but from my understanding of it is that, um, there were, once the planes hit the buildings, um, the twin towers, then that caused fires in building seven caused building seven to collapse because, um, the way that the building was constructed towards the top. But like I said, I may have some of these details a little bit fuzzy, but, um, you feel I'm free to kind of riff on that and, uh, kind of fill in the gaps where I got it messed up or, you know, correct me where I'm wrong. Yeah, that's, that's loose chain stuff. Um, it's, it's the big talking point, um, in nine 11 truth to this day is building seven. Yes. That's kind of where everybody gets in the door. That's sort of like everybody's way into 9-11 is, oh, man, this is, what the hell? A third building? I didn't get hit with a plane. Here's where we've been talking about how there's no plane at the Pentagon. There's no plane at Shanksville. These are the no planes theories. Well, guess what? Building 7 is a no plane theory because no plane hit that building. Well, mm -hmm. it's what everybody kind of starts with. And I think the only problem is that they get stuck there. And they're not willing to move on to right. cover other stuff. So I think it's okay to talk about Building 7. However, I'm not convinced about any of the conspiracy theories about Building 7. It was uh, after the Twin Towers collapsed. But what you're thinking of is that it had been reported in the news about how the building had collapsed before it actually did. Uh, that's, and that's, that's what Loose Change ran with. That's the point about it, which um, is a little bit weird. Um, even some of the more respectable uh, early 9-11 conspiracy documentaries still feature that as like a premise point. Sure. Um, I'm not an architect or engineer, and I don't have any association with the organizations, but I can sort of come up with a conspiracy uh, a slice. We, we can we can tear this one down from a couple different directions and see what we think about it. Sure. I couldn't tell you for sure if it's controlled demolition. I couldn't tell you for sure. I'm not an expert. But let me try to think of um, I'm going to try to think of a way that we can start to evaluate that conspiracy theory because I think what we sure. what we do too often is we just take for granted oh the conspiracy theorist is right. Let's look at the points 
that make that a conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. And what it is, is it looks like a controlled demolition. At least when you view it from most of the footage that records it, like it yes. kind of looks like, oh shit, the fucking thing comes down. Um, it looks like a controlled demolition. Here's a problem with that. We are just trusting that we're looking at typically one view is almost always, there's like two famous views pretty much. You're almost always seeing the same shot of that when there's like a lot of different footage that you can look at. With regarding the destruction at World Trade Center, this is totally different from the Pentagon or Shanksville, right? There's a lot of footage. You can look at the different camera angles and you can see what these what these building collapses actually look like. Right. We don't have to always be looking at it from that one angle. Something that I've noticed is the building doesn't quite come straight down. Mm -hmm. This is a hard one for people to get past. And I have a hard time with it too because I want there to be a conspiracy here, but I'm not convinced. It doesn't come straight down. It kind of leans to the side. It leans most likely towards the direction of where that building had been gouged out on like the southwestern mm -hmm. corner of that building that was like a terrible compromise to the structure. Mm -hmm. um, I, I believe that there was a sentiment from, I think, the fire uh, crew about how this like this building could have been compromised up to like 20%. Like it could have been severely compromised uh... from impacting debris when the, the twins collapsed, which like spewed, you know, it was wreckage all over the whole site. And mind you, if you look at the damage reports, uh, every building at World Trade Center was destroyed. Most of World Trade Complex either collapsed completely or partially collapsed. All seven buildings were brutally damaged. And like, like uh, I think it's World Trade 5, they actually did pull that building. Not pull it in the conspiracy sense, but like pulled with cables, you know, in like the actual uh, controlled demolition sense. And uh, World Trade 7 comes down and it looks like a controlled demolition. But if you look at it from the different angles, it doesn't look so neat. Here's where looking at it gets us into trouble because we keep looking at that footage over and over and over again. Like, mm -hmm. it's, like it's a psychological operation, the way we keep watching this collapse. It's ridiculous the way we get hung up on this stuff. Have you seen the Edward Current video getting around? I see it all the time. And of course, with the 9-11 anniversary, People were sharing the fuck out of it. This thing has gotten millions of views. It's the stuff that people will type the description. Look at this. Watch before it gets deleted. This is this is important information that they are trying to scrub from us. And meanwhile, it's been up for years and years and years and has millions of views. And it's like, oh, well, <laughs> this is obviously not dangerous information. It's like readily available. The yeah. Edward Current fake 9-11 World Trade Center video. He made it as like a gag or like to prove a point that conspiracy theorists can get fooled by just about anything. And he was right. He was right because people still share this fake video. It's the one that has like uh, blast charges added to it, like flashes in the windows. Uh. And people look at the flashes and they're like, oh my God, those must be explosives. <laughs> and uh, and it's, got, uh, it's got a bunch of stuff added to it. There's a UFO in the background if you watch the full video. But it gets shared around as like this little snippet. They snip the little piece out yeah. of it and they share it around. They don't see the full video. And that's what I'm talking about, like watching it from different angles. Look at the full video. Watch the live recordings. There's a, a tremendous amount of video that you can get of the 9-11 uh, World Trade event that day. Everybody had cameras and was recording it. And some of it was like live news feed. 
Well, if you think that it's suspicious that World Trade 7 collapsed, I challenge somebody to watch it for hours burning mm -hmm. after it gets smashed and there's fires and stuff and then eventually collapse. It burns for many hours, definitely beyond the time that a reasonable like uh, fireman would would want a building to burn for. Mm -hmm. They they wouldn't want it to be unchecked. That's a, a simple fact about steel frame high rises is you need active fire control. That's why there's fire retardant. That's why there's sprinkler systems. Like these things are necessary components because yes, they are susceptible to fire because the steel will warp and expand and shift, move out of position. Things won't hold the weight they're supposed to. And mm. at, a, at, a, at a high enough temperature, even office fire temperatures can reach this. Your steel gets weakened. And it can lose like 50, 60% of its tinsel strength just from your office fires. So it doesn't have to be a controlled demolition. Right. Well, okay. T to this point, um, people who weld know this, but the weld you make is very, very strong. But the metal around the weld is what gets weaker. So like whenever you have something that breaks, um, it's you, it's not the weld. It's always the metal around it. And this goes to your point. Once again, the heat is what heats that metal up and then will weaken the integrity of the metal. Once again, it's not the weld itself that's faulty. So just, just a little tidbit. Something about it that I take to heart is maybe it's a like maybe, maybe right? Like, hey, I think there's a serious reason that we ought to be talking about like planted explosives and truck bombs and stuff. There's a real fucking reason. It's called urban moving systems. But is it really okay, building seven? Yeah. Is it really building seven that's getting demolished in some kind of way besides it just burning down? Well, it burns for hours and then it falls down. It doesn't fall straight down and it damages adjacent buildings. Here's a weird thing about it is it doesn't make a big bang when it falls. Watch all the footage of this building. A controlled demolition goes boom. This one doesn't. Now, does it look like a controlled demolition? This is why a lot of these videos that get shared around have no audio. Ever think about that? A lot of times you're seeing Building 7 collapsing. There's no audio or they put music over it or something. There isn't an explosion sound. So that's where you have another layer of this. Like, are we trying? Uh, it yeah. doesn't go bang. It, it burns for several hours and then it collapses. There's a big point in the conspiracy curriculum about Danny Joenko, who at the time was, I think he was like the world expert in controlled demolitions. Mm -hmm. I think he's Dutch. Uh, I believe he passed away. Um, the uh, conspiracy theorists in the early days, and this might have been associated with the loose change product. Uh, excuse me, I can't remember what investigative team it was. It might have been loose change. They interviewed him and they they showed him the building seven collapse because their whole game plan was like, Hey, we're going to get this controlled demolition guy to look at this and we're going to find out. Mm -hmm. for sure. We're, he's going to confirm it for us. Cause we don't know, right? We're not experts. Like he is though. He's going to be able to tell us I'm, I'm all for it. Find out from the expert and give him the blind taste test. And that's what they did. They showed him the collapse and he didn't know what he was looking at, but he said, Oh yeah, this looks like controlled demolition. In fact, he was pretty sure about it. He was like, oh, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Then they told him this was 9-11. And that changed his brain about it. He was, then he was like, really? 
oh, well, oh, now this is now this is getting complicated. And he considered the situation that it was in that it was on fire. The fire team had pulled out at around like 130 or something. If you like mm -hmm. basically follow back on, uh, you know, what Carruthers, Negro and others said, the fire chiefs said about exactly how it went down. Like apparently by about 130, uh, the firefighters were like hearing the building listing and like they were concerned, like we, we just can't, we're not going to, you know, get the hell away from this building. It's, it's going to go. And uh, they, yeah. they, and they pulled out, they pulled it, they pulled it. So they're no longer actively controlling the fire. And that's the key point about uh, steel frame high rises. Uh, and, okay. and that's where it's weird. Because Joenko is thinking to himself, well, that would be the time that you go in and set your charges and and blow it. Right. But you gotta you gotta send a team of ninjas in. They gotta be good. And they gotta very quickly uh strap this thing down. And he says, yes, it could be possible that at the point when the emergency responders are no longer on the site, somebody could have gone in and wired that thing. It could be done. He's the expert on this thing. But here's the weird thing about Joenko's opinion. He doesn't think that the Twin Towers was a controlled demolition. So now what do we make of these things? <laughs> it gets too messy. It gets too messy. Simplest explanation is that the building got, got crushed by World Trade One, basically, and uh, the fires uh, weakened it and eventually gave out and fell over. Mm -hmm. The reason the conspiracy theorists have a lot to say about it is it looks like a controlled demolition. Mm -hmm. Listen to Alex Jones tell you about the crimp or wedge. Uh, and, and it falls down, but it doesn't go boom. Mm -hmm. And then it has the additional spicy component of uh, its owned by Larry Silverstein. And he conveniently had a dermatologist appointment and he wasn't there. And uh, he's the one that tells you about how they pulled it. And so that is like fodder for the conspiracy theorists. Yeah. Over. Maybe there's something to it. Again, don't get me wrong. I think he's kind of a shady dude. I don't really trust anybody that's good friends with Bibi Netanyahu. <laughs> but the building doesn't go boom, and it takes it takes all day, it burns all day, and eventually it falls over without without going boom. Yeah. The thing regarding the news broadcast is uh, it was reported to have collapsed before it actually collapsed. That's kind of that's kind of fishy. That's kind of fishy. But it could have just been because there was a lot of misreporting that day. There was a lot of news More. going around and people were like trying to get the news out. So they're they're mm -hmm. they're going off of incomplete reports. They're going off of word of mouth and. They're over there, like in England, you know, like that. The BBC report is the famous one. Yeah. They weren't there that day. They had like second, third hand information. It could have been that it was just something that was, uh, you know, the game of telephone. You know, somebody passes the information along and eventually it mutates. By the time it gets overseas, they yeah. think, oh, yeah, plus also another building had collapsed. When mm. maybe, maybe the real story was it's going to collapse or, or they think that it's beyond uh, all hope because that's a. Apparently, what the firefighters thought was that they couldn't save it. That's why they mm -hmm. pulled the firefighting operation out of there. So those are some of the things to compare about with Building 7. Mm -hmm. I personally am not convinced this controlled demolition. Uh, I talk to people that have made arguments about how it is, but I've presented today some of the reasons why I think that you don't have something good yet. 
I'm not mm -hmm. convinced yet, but sure. I'll admit that certain things about it are mysterious. I'm okay with talking about it, but I don't think you need to get stuck there. There's way right. better things about 9-11 to talk yeah. about. Yeah. So as Conrail said here, uh, one other thing notice notice is the first thing that collapses is on the roof, either the ventilation or something like that. Saw that yesterday on the Liberty Report. Um, That's the, the East Report. Mechanical Penthouse, and it goes a full 10 seconds before the rest of it goes. I suspect that what's happening is the EMP is, is collapsing into the building. And the reason I think this is if you look at towards the top of the building, when the EMP goes in and it goes for several seconds before the rest of it, uh, the EMP goes down and then you'll see the uh, glass windows from those top floors directly beneath it. All of a sudden, those windows are blown out. I think that EMP is collapsing into the building and it is destroying the building from the inside as it goes down. And that and could that explain is, why it looks like a controlled demolition. That is wrecking the building's integrity. Uh, mm -hmm. In addition to the fact that it's already got a big gouge knocked out of the southwest side. And then it's like 10 seconds later, then it collapses. That's mm -hmm. why a lot of times with that famous video, what you see, the EMP is already collapsed when the video starts. They got it queued up yeah. like 10 seconds after the initiation has already begun. And they're showing you after the EMP has collapsed into the building and is wrecking things. Then the outer facade falls. I think probably that East Mechanical Penthouse collapsed in into the building, started upsetting the way that the floors can withhold the weight. And, you know, it's like the pancake theory. You know, it can't hold. It, it's like one floor goes, then two floors go, then three floors go. And give it 10 seconds, and then the rest of it goes. It makes a lot of sense because it doesn't go boom. Right. Okay. So perhaps the last thing we could uh, kind of do in the wrap is the uh, Israeli connection that everybody really wants to hype up, which I think I was listening to you and Adam's interview this morning um, where you guys did like a two and a half hour podcast on 9-11 um, stuff and uh, it aired yesterday. And I, I think one of you two said that like conveniently a lot of the no planners want to say it was all Israel, but um once again, it's just kind of funny because, like, if there's no planes, okay, then what happened? Did Israel use, like, laser weapons to destroy the Twin Towers? <laughs> like, what's going on here? So I guess let's ta talk about urban moving, urban moving systems and then some of the other kind of Israeli um, connections there because there was also some intelligence stuff. But I don't think it's as deep as people want to go. And it's understandable because, like, the Israeli government is very, very messed up and they do have a heavy hand here in the U.S., but um, to say that they were like the sole actors in 9-11, I think is irresponsible and wrong. Well, I want to go for the whole thing. I want to get the whole thing because I think that if we don't address this thing in completion, I got no reason to think that these freaky people that pull strings in the world, I got no reason to think that they won't do something like this again. If you don't take care of the whole package, they're just going to do something like this again because you got no reason right. not to because we apparently haven't figured it out. We the right. public. Well, I've already said, look, hey, there's Arab hijackers, there's Arab terrorists, there's groups, there's terror groups that do stuff. There's no doubt in my mind that these guys are going to do certain things. What I think you can bring back to this spicy subject of, well, how are we going to how are we going to bring that last bastion of democracy in the Middle East into it? Well, that's why I'm open, especially to conversations about controlled demolition, because World Trade Center got bombed in 1993 and it was with a truck bomb. And it's the urban moving system story that is about the van that tested positive to explosives 
when, um, you know, they call them the dancing Israelis, but I don't like that. meme. Mm. You see, that was trending on Twitter. I don't <laughs> no, like I, that. I didn't see that. It is. They didn't fun, dance. Yeah. Guys, okay. they didn't dance. They're Israelis. And, and yeah, they're, you know, associated with like IDF, the Jewish agency. Uh, two of them were on a counterintelligence watch list, uh, but they didn't dance. Uh, FBI called them the high fivers because that's what they actually did do. Right. They, they were high fiving and hugging and mm. flicking lighters like they were at a rock concert. And uh, they're pretty elated. It's, uh, you know, it's like Maria at Doric Towers who first witnessed them and made the call to the police, which eventually led to the beyond the lookout order. She said they didn't look shocked. She said they looked happy. Well, there's a couple of things that are sort of connected with uh, 9-11, uh, controlled demolitions, World Trade Center, and the urban moving system story that I think there's something to it. Um, mm -hmm. What you got to look at is what you can really be pretty confident about. And I go to the FBI report. Um, I don't think that FBI has any reason to make this up. It just doesn't make any sense to try to throw the little brother Israel under the bus on this one, because God only knows what they might do in, in, in spite of the Americans try to mm. make Israel look bad. <laughs> God only knows what they might do. Yeah. I don't think FBI is throwing Israelis under the bus on this one. I think they're just honestly reporting that, okay, yeah, the urban moving system story and everything that you can read in the FBI reports, I recommend that everyone do that if they're interested in 9-11, some of the most eye-opening things. Well, the van that they were driving tested positive for explosives and everybody in the truth movement thinks that there's some kind of controlled demolition. Well, we can bring that back because Sivan Kurzberg, who was one of the brothers who were probably spies, they were on a counterintelligence watch list. They're not just associated with IDF or Jewish agents. Mm -hmm. These guys are probably acting on behalf of Mossad, the Kurzbergs. Well, Sivan Kurzberg had been at World Trade Center uh, exactly two months prior. This is this is notable in the FBI report because they have a list of the belongings that were the evidences that were collected. There's a bunch of weird evidences. One of them is a pass for World Trade Center one that Kurzberg had is dated 7-11. Among the other belongings was a flyer <laughs> among the they, they that changed the meme. It'll never catch on, guys. It'll never catch on. They'll forever. Be the <laughs> And among the other belongings was a flyer for Karen's birthday bash, also on 7-11. So if we want to talk about dancing Israelis, how come nobody in the truth movement knows that they had a dance party the night of Sivan Kurzberg's visit <laughs> to World Trade Center? They don't know that, do they? Because they didn't read the reports. They don't actually look into things and find out, is there something to it? Is there something wrong here? Is my meme inaccurate? A lot of times the meme is inaccurate. Uh, but... Truck bombs. That's how they did it in 1993. Look, there's the Josie Hadass connection in 1993. The Israeli intelligence is present in the 1993 attack. And in 9-11, you've got urban moving systems, which is a whole spooky show. You do a whole show about just urban moving systems. But because we don't have forever to just talk about how these <laughs> intelligence services from different countries do different things, I thought I'd just leave you with one more key thing that I don't think people in the truth movement know about at all. Even prominent figures, I don't see them bring this up. Well, I'm confident that Arab terrorists do their thing. But if we're going to try to bring something like Israeli intelligence into the discussion, mm -hmm. there's another point of convergence. And this is historically demonstrable. Probably not a lot of people know that 
CIA is not particularly good at Arabic language. For me, CIA handling Midar and Hasmi looks like a really dumb way to do it. Those dudes don't even speak English. I don't think that's a smart way of doing it. So I think there's something else going on. And there, I, I think they got a cover story going on with that because it doesn't make good sense. Those dudes don't even speak English and CIA doesn't speak Arabic. According to them, they said that was part of their problem. That's why they outsource the human intelligence to the other intelligence services like the Saudi GID and the Israeli Mossad because those guys do. And then they're going to trust them to pass the information on to them because uh, our white, mighty whitey doesn't get it. Our mighty whitey is not very wise in that part of the world. For me, CIA handling these uh, goons, these Arab terrorists, it looks like uh, Team America. You remember the blackface in Team America when the guy dresses as the terrorist <laughs> and he's like obviously in disguise? That's CIA handling these terrorists. But Saudi intelligence can do it very, very well because they're going to pass as uh, imams or as uh, Palestinian sympathizers or you know what have you. That They're deeply connected with Muslim Brotherhood. Those spooks can do something with an Arab terrorist and mm -hmm. they can get right up on them. That, that's how you would do it. Well, the Israelis can do the same thing. And that's what people don't realize. And I think it'll really open some eyes when you, when you understand that the Israelis can do the same thing. The tactic is called Mistar Vim, which means masquerading as Arab. And the Israelis have been doing this since like the 1950s. They do it to this day when Shin Bet goes to cause trouble in Gaza. They'll basically masquerade as an Arab and instigate something and then capitalize on it. Well, in the early days, these Arab masqueraders would go off into the Arab world to become like deep sleeping agents. And they would become school teachers, merchants, even Muslim clerics. So you have to wonder, what is the real possibility of these spook intelligence services handling real assets? Mm -hmm. And I think it goes beyond just the, G the GID <laughs> knew about Midar and Hazmi. Mm -hmm. I think it's bigger than that. <laughs> Nothing like a tall white man walking through Afghanistan insisting on one of you. Trust me, bro. <laughs> but yeah, that that's, yeah, geez. That's... um. Really, really interesting. And like I said, I think people take a lot of like the Israeli connections and want to kind of take that to the bank and say, well, this means that that has, you know, they knew this was going on all along. Um, but, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any conclusive evidence to say that, like, hey, this is exactly what happened. Israelis knew it. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, we get our war for oil. Um, you know, that may have been the end result, but I don't think that. You know, I don't think anybody knows for sure that's kind of like what they wanted to play out. It just so happened that, that worked out in their interest. Well, all parties involved, the Americans, the Saudis, the Israelis, got a little something that they probably were interested in. That's why you got to account for all these different angles. Mm -hmm. And that's why I don't say inside job. And that's why right. I'm not convinced of certain things that are the most basic talking points in the 9-11 truth movement about how Mighty Whitey faked an airplane crash. I think that there's other way more realistic explanations for what's going on with 9-11. Yeah, man, I, I got you. So I guess I'll throw it over to you one more time. What do you think in kind of like 
a paragraph or less do you think the official story for 9-11 is? Um, I, perhaps I'll go first so that way you kind of know what I'm getting at here. I think that it was um, the intelligence agencies and the U.S. government and also the Saudis and the Israelis all kind of have their own interests and a lot of ego on the part of the U.S. government um kind of made them not interact with each other and then boom 9-11 happens and it was because of just ego and not willingness to work together and comb through all the available resources to stop you know what was the largest terrorist attack on america in the last you know however long um that's kind of like my summation of it from what i've gathered from you and adam and then all the other guys who do a lot of research on these topics um what would kind of be your summation could have been a happy accident for all parties. That's totally possible. The, you know, we, we might be wasting our time trying to come up with a conspiracy theory about all this because it literally could have just been a happy accident. Mm -hmm. A really, really fucked up happy accident for all parties. Could have been. Um, it's uh, it's too weird, though, because I see the, the political influence. I see the way that they managed to just fail so perfectly at different instances. Right. I'm... I'm leaning towards a conspiracy. Mm. Uh, the official story, I mean, all, all it is is just what the commission reported. That's the official story. Or if you want to include like what the talking heads had to say about it as well. Like you could maybe rope in like what the mainstream media said about things. That could be considered the official story. Or what like the president or the vice president said at the time. You know, like what did Bush say? You know, all that stuff could be considered the official story. Um but the official story is full of anomalies. So you could just look at like how the official story deals with these things, like, you know, Bojinka and stuff and, you know, the millennium plot right before nine 11, all mm -hmm. this stuff that like adds up to being, I'm sorry, but it just looks really bad that nine 11 right. happened. It shouldn't have happened. Basically so many whistleblowers, even from like these important positions have come out and said, you know, they, they should stop it. They're not convinced either. You know, there's 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 people from Able Danger, there's people from FBI, and people from the Commission even that are saying, "Oh no, there's something to this." And uh, I don't think it's nuts. I don't think it's kooky to be a conspiracy theorist about it. But I worry that if there are some spooky connections to this, and I, we've just touched on a few of the ways that I think mm -hmm. that spooks could have their fingers in the pot. If there is that, what I always have in the back of my mind is. How would a spook keep me from getting to the truth? Would, mm. would they be shitting in the pot and purposely giving me stuff to, to just slow me down and, and fuck me up and keep me busy in, and confused and indecisive and, and just obfuscate the whole matter by having people spew a bunch of you know wrong facts about 9-11? You know, stuff like stuff like missing like the gold heist or, you know, like stuff that actually doesn't doesn't happen. These are like completely false stories uh, about how like the reporting missing money is like somehow news on 910 when it had already been reported over a year prior. Stuff like that, mm -hmm. like bad, bad stories that don't actually have real truth to them. And there's so many of them. 9-11 has like more conspiracy theories than anything else. It's like right up there with the Martians and the aliens and stuff. Like there's, there's like the most conspiracy theories. They can't all be true. They can't all be yeah. true. So I wonder, maybe they, maybe they release some of this stuff. <laughs> maybe it's not just idiots online 
you know, there could there could have been that as well. I don't know for sure which it is or if it's both. I can't be certain. But I ask that to myself. And once in a while, I'll, I'll float that with people. Do you think maybe they're trying to keep you confused? So you're indecisive. Right. Yeah. As Alex Jones controlled all opposition and was loose change put out there by people to intentionally mislead you. A topic for another episode. Sean, this was an awesome dive on 9-11. Um, I'm going to have to listen to this again. A lot of this stuff um, I really, really enjoy. And I hope everybody got just as much value as I did out of this. I think this is a beautiful rundown. And whenever people have questions about 9-11, I'm going to throw them this episode and then say, all right, now I'll go back and listen to the episode I did with you and Adam. Because these two, I think, will run perfect together. So uh, go ahead and give your plugs, brother. And we'll uh, rock and roll out of here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so again, I'm Sean Russell. Uh, I'm not affiliated with any organizations. Um, basically, everybody in the 9-11 truth movement doesn't like me. And uh, normies don't like me either because I can somehow be both a Satanist and a religious apologist at once. Um, you can contact me through most viral media. I'm on YouTube, Odyssey, Facebook, VK, Twitter, Instagram. And I'm just under my real name is my handle. I'm Sean Russell and Twitter handle SKRussellAK. Um, you know, if you want to if you want to talk about 9-11, I'm your guy. Reach out to me. I think that there's some real conversations to be had. And I don't think they have anything to do with how about how the airplanes were suspicious. Nice. Yeah. Well, like I said, I really appreciate all your research, all your work, and uh, especially taking the time to kind of break this down today because there is just so much that goes into it. And I remember being a kid, I was in first grade when it happened and thinking like, wow, I like just, I couldn't fathom it, but looking back at it now and listening to just the people who are more knowledgeable on the subject and me talk about it, it's like, there's so many strings to pull on how you guys know everything about it. Just blows my mind and then you guys have the similar mind that i do when it comes to uh find out the truth about things is that i give a shit about the truth so that way we have actionable information so yeah man um if you don't got anything else we'll close her out go right on i appreciate you brother thanks for having me back it's been a good talk yeah of course well we'll definitely do it again sean so uh, all right hang out for a few minutes and we'll close her out thank you guys so much make sure you go follow sean check out his work and uh check out the last episode i did with him because i think you guys will enjoy that as well all right, everybody, take care. Take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.